This is Pastor Matt Harmless with the sermon audio from May the 2nd, 2021, and this is sermon number 21 in our series on Luke, and this covers uh, the story of Jesus and the tax collectors, uh, starting off with a individual named Levi. This is Luke 5, 27 through 32. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to let me know. You can email me, mattharmless at edgewood-danville.org, where I believe there's a link on our um, on this podcast where you can submit a audio response. I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. I'm going to start off with a little bit of a review of what's been happening in Chapter 5 so far. Uh, I mentioned last week that these things all kind of tie together, so I'm going to give you just a couple points of review. Actually, you know what, I was going to pray after that, but let me, I want to pray before this. Um, I feel like we're discovering or rediscovering Jesus through this study of Luke, and he has not disappointed. Um, just amazing. Our Savior is amazing, and I, I, I just love all who he is. I did before, but this is reaffirming that again and again. I love who this Jesus is. And so uh, I just I want to pray right now that God would direct every single thing that is said today. Heavenly Father, I just again want to thank you for Luke, this physician who, God, through your work and through your grace and by the power of your Spirit, did an amazing history of you. Lord, I thank you that you worked in him to bring this about. I thank you, God, that by that same spirit it's been preserved for us and we can trust it as accurate, authentic, true. Lord, I also know that your word is more than just any other book. It's living and powerful. And so I ask again today that your spirit would now guide even the exposition of your word as we unpack what's being said today. I pray these things now in Christ's name. Amen. So let's think back through chapter 5. We had, uh, as Charity mentioned a moment ago, we had this leper at the beginning of chapter 5. This is right at the beginnings of Christ's ministry. You had this leper, this unclean man. Comes to Jesus, asks to be pronounced clean. Jesus makes this happen with a touch. Right? With a touch. And a pronouncement of clean. I will. You're clean. The man becomes clean. Not just in word, but literally, visibly would have become clean in that moment. An outward representation of a true change of reality, a change of status. And I think that's what Luke is wanting us to get. Following that, we had a very similar story where we have this paralyzed man brought to Jesus this time, not coming to Jesus, but brought to Jesus. Doesn't ask for anything. Is lowered down through a roof. And as he is lowered down, this paralyzed man, obviously, what's the problem here, Jesus? Can't you see? We're having to lower him down through the roof. We couldn't get to you. He couldn't get to you. He couldn't push through a crowd. Lowered down through a roof, and what happens? You reach out, and instead of saying, 
you're healed. What does he say? He says, you are forgiven of your sins. Those who understand the word of God in that day were aghast. Nobody can forgive sins but God alone. It wasn't that they didn't understand that reality. It's that they, they did not understand who it was that was saying it. Right? To demonstrate that his pronouncement of forgiven sins is accurate, he then tells the man to get up and walk. And the paralyzed man gets up and walks. Verifying, validating that when he, earlier, just a few seconds earlier, when he said your sins are forgiven you, well, we couldn't see that, could you? But then what do they see? Get up and walk. And what happens? He gets up and walks. Another outward representation of a true change of reality. And Jesus' authority to forgive sin is demonstrated. As we progress into the next little section, I ask two questions. But I want to say we ought to ask two questions as you're reading and studying scripture. One thing is you ought to say, what does the text say? So not just me when I'm studying, but you as you're listening, what does the text say? So you can open it up and you can read the text. You say, what does the, the text say? And examine the text, examine the context, what's around it. That's kind of what I'm doing today is leading up into Luke. What's the context of this? But part of examining the context is to also ask this question. What is Luke trying to say? Now, we know that Luke is operating under the inspiration of the Spirit, but there was still this guy who sat down and was writing, and he was writing something. And he wasn't writing Luke as snippets. He's writing a book. We call it the gospel according to Luke. To, to Luke. In fact, it's a two-part two set. Luke and then Acts. He wrote that too. And so you have to ask the question, was Luke just relaying? I, okay, think about it. Is he relaying every single thing that Jesus does? No, there's tons of things that Jesus did that we have no record of. John points that out. He said, if I try to put everything in books, not books in the world can contain all the things he did. Okay, so this is not meant to be a complete history of Jesus. What is Luke? So you have to ask, what's Luke trying to get across? I mean, is he just sharing random miracles? I remember this one time when Jesus did this thing. With the, is that what he's doing? No, I don't think so at all. I believe that Luke is trying to convey a specific point. And in fact, some of the points that he's trying to convey are just starting now, and we won't get the fullness of them until we get to the end of Luke. And so as you hear today's passage, you're going to hear some things. In fact, we've, we've seen this already. There's things being planted. Little ideas, little thoughts, little realities of who is this Jesus. And we're going to hear some things planted in our passage today. But we have to ask the question right now. There's, there's some things going on. Think about the, the similarity of the last two stories. Leper, pronounced clean. That's a very... Let's go back a little bit even further. In, in chapter 4, when Jesus first starts his ministry, the first thing he does is he cast, one, of the th one of the first things he does is cast a demon out of a demon-possessed man. A very spiritual thing. But lest you think it just ends with spiritual things, I think Luke is unfolding this. He goes, here, here let's go into something that's very religious. Cleanliness. Spiritual cleanness. And Jesus does something there. Well, let's talk about something even deeper, like sins of the heart. And then what does Jesus do? Hey, you're forgiven of your sins. <gasps> what? You see what Luke is doing? He's unpacking who is this Jesus. And he's starting to plant some realities that some of us, as much as we're going to love it. And I think most of you in this room, you're like, I love these things about Jesus. 
Does everybody respond that way? No. No, they do not. So let's think about this. In fact, this next thing that's going to happen, Luke has been doing these things here. Next thing that's going to happen in chapter 5 involves somebody with another problem. We've got another spectrum of problems. Isn't there a whole spectrum of problems? We've got one for every person in the room, don't we? <laughs> well, Jesus got another spectrum of problems he's going to address, and it's going to be with a guy who is a tax collector. Now, if there's anything that has managed to make its way from Jesus' time to ours, <laughs> anybody in here look at tax collectors and go, I just love those guys. Anybody? I just love them. I love it when they take our money. Anybody, anybody would love to meet FICA? <laughs> I don't know who FICA is, but he's taking some of my money every week. Right? I'd like to meet that guy. Well, I'd like to introduce you to FICA today. Okay, that's not his name. Tax collectors in Christ's day, possibly worse than what we've got today. Maybe not. I don't know. The taxes that are being pulled from us. Oh, man, terrible. Ugh. The tax collector in Christ's day is Christ's day that we're going to talk about probably fees or tolls or customs. It probably wasn't like a poll type tax. It was probably fees or customs that was going on. The role, I want you to think about the role in that day. Now, think about this added level. In Israel, was Israel being governed by Israel? Who were they being governed by? Rome. So at, let, let's think about that element. Let's add, a, let's add a top onto that. Let's say it wasn't just our own government that was taxing us to death. Let's say it was another government that was taxing us to death. Right? Some of you go, well, that's what it feels like right now. Okay, the, we're not talking about that today. Let's focus in here, okay? So people that worked for the Roman government, can you imagine how you'd feel about them? What if it was one of us that said, you know what? I can make some good money off this tax collecting business. I'm going to join that crew. Sign me up. How'd you feel about that person on top of everything else? Working for this other government that's invaded our land and taxing us. And then one of your own, one of your own people decides joining up. Would you be like, Hey, let's hang out. <laughs> you might be, hey, let's hang out behind this store. <laughs> right? <laughs> I've got a, yeah, a dark alley for us to go chat in, right? Tax collectors in Christ's day, honestly, in fact, the, the, there's Jewish writings that describe them as thieves and robbers. and I mean, just the worst possible things. Lowest level of society in many people's minds. Not everybody's, but many. Low lifes, these tax collectors. They were also considered to be thieves. They were considered to be dishonest. One of the reasons for that is they usually would take, it was customary for them to take more than what they actually needed. And then if they could get enough to, okay, Rome is needing this much, and if I could get them this much, but I can collect this much, guess who gets the, uh, the, the abundance? The tax collector. And tax collectors were known for being very, very wealthy. And we're about to meet one. And his name isn't Fica, it's Levi. You guys know what Levi's other name is? Matthew. Good name. Good name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Luke chapter 5, verse 27. Following from the demon-possessed man, calling of Peter... 
the leper, the paralyzed man, forgiven of his sins. And then it goes right into this story. In fact, all three Gospels that share this story, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all say after this, right after this went, and there's a, there's a flow, a chronological flow as well. And it says, after this he went, Jesus, he went out, saw a tax collector named Levi, probably not just out of the building where he just healed this man, but probably out of the town because usually this would be on the, the edge of town passing by. We're going to hear um, from Mark's account that where, where this might have been. He, he goes out, he sees a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he says to him, follow me. The command, follow me, I think very much meaning become my disciple. Come on. Now, something we're going to kind of salt and pepper in here, in here a little bit. Matthew was a social outcast amongst his people. But Jesus sees him and says, that's what I'm looking for. Come follow me. You're one of the people that I think would, I, I should, come on. The demon cast out, the leper pronounced clean, the paralytic forgiven of sin, and the social outcast invited in. The other accounts, Mark's gospel, when he shares this, he put it, puts it this way, so, and there's going to be some spoilers in here, okay, little spoilers about what his response is going to be, but I think you probably already know. Mark shares this account, he says, he went out again beside the sea, so it wasn't just outside the house, it was out by the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them, and he passed by, he saw Levi, and Mark used this saw like this intent, it's, it's one of those like eye contact across the crowd words is what it means, have you ever had that happen? Like Jesus, he's walking out and he just makes eye contact with Levi. He goes, ooh, and there's this moment. And Jesus says, follow me. Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose and followed him, so we know he ends up doing that. Matthew's account, the same Matthew that we're talking about, when he shares this account, says that Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose and followed him. Interesting, interesting sharing this account and talking about yourself and just in passing, and I got up and I followed him. Luke adds something I think is important. He's going to add a little tidbit of information that these other two didn't include. Listen to the next verse in Luke. Leaving everything. Luke decides to add a little. Luke, Luke didn't mention the C part, didn't mention his name was Matthew, but he does throw this little piece in there. That following included a little bit more. His following him meant as well a leaving of everything. One of my commentators, Leon Morris, he said, we, we should not miss the quiet heroism in this. Many of us know and understand that following Jesus requires a leaving of things. Now, I'm going to pause for just a moment. I'm going to tell you right now, in this story, there's going to be a lesson here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I'm alluding to it. You're catching on right now. There's some following stuff here. I'm going I'm to allude to it a little bit, and I'm going to move right on past it. And then I'm going to encounter another little lesson. We're gonna, you're going to think. You're going to think in your head. You're going to go, oh, that's where he's landing today. No, I'm not. I'm going to no, keep moving. There's one at the very end that I don't want you to miss. And the, here we have 
the first of these lessons I'm going to, I'm going to skim over. Not because it's not important, but because honestly, I think a lot of you know exactly what this is about. In fact, let me just go down a little bit of a rabbit trail on this topic. This is a planned rabbit trail. This leaving to follow sort of discussion. Leaving everything to follow Christ sort of discussion. I mentioned this earlier. Um, I think we love this whole, like, anybody. See, I know you guys. You love that stuff. I mean, th- there's nothing that brings a smile on your face more than I go, when I look out at you and I go, man, you guys are like the island of misfit toys. And you look around and you elbow jab each other. We are. <laughs> right? I mean, you guys love that stuff. You're like, yeah, we don't know what we're doing at all. I shouldn't even be in here. I don't even know how I got in, honestly. I had trouble finding the door. You, know? you guys love that stuff. You love that part of the gospel message. You're like, you, you've grabbed a hold of it. I love that you love it. I love it, too. God's grace. And you believed it. You've thought to yourself, this could be for me, too. Right? That's why you also love that phrase we used to say. Remember the three-part mantra we used to do? I'm a complete idiot. But my future is incredibly bright. And anybody can get in on this. And you guys go, yes. Especially when we say the idiot part, you're like, "Mm mm-hmm. Now, some of you, I've, okay, you guys have to understand, I'm up here, I see you all. Some of you, when I say I'm a complete idiot, you go, "Mm mm-hmm. And your eyes are like looking at the person next to you. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you hear what he said? You didn't say it loud enough. I'm a, okay, no. We love that. I, I mentioned this quote earlier. We were, see, we were, we were existing in this, this, this realm. And I mentioned this earlier, this quote from Robert, this guy named Robert Munger. He says, the church is the only fellowship in the world where the one requirement for membership is the unworthiness of the candidate. I put it different ways sometimes, don't I? I say, I say what's the one requirement to get in? The sinner. I'm not the first one that's made these ideas. But you guys love this stuff. We talk about it, and it's important, it's valued, it's loved. I know some of you felt deeply, uh, Charity was talking about this earlier, they felt deeply about that leper, like this idea that Jesus would reach out and touch. Because, because most of you, I don't have, you're not coming in here, I'm not having to convince you you're not clean. You're like, I knew that part, Matt. Where's the hope? And, you're like, and you, re, you hear that, and you're like, oh, Jesus is wonderful. I know some of you hearing Jesus tell that paralytic man, you're forgiven. That resonates with you because you're like, here's the broken people come to Jesus. And you're like, yes, and you love it. That's important. But don't forget what Levi does, what Peter did earlier. Because this is the real call for all of us. Come, follow. And some of you know, some of you know precisely. Some of you have... Many times of your life, in fact, you, some of you could probably classify huge sections of your life, even what you might call your Christian life, as this, like, okay, so let's treat the podium like the come and follow Jesus. And you're like, you're hearing all this wonderful stuff. Jesus is touching lepers, and, and, and I'm unclean, and, he, right? and he's healing, and he's, he's forgiving, and, and yes, the misfit toys, you love it, and you love to get, like, right here. But there's some stuff out here. That you know, and I know, that it, you go, for me to jump all in, I got to let go of that. 
And a lot of times, it's not even stuff I even have to bring up. You, you, know, you know, I don't have to preach on it. You know it already. I can preach on it if you need me to. I know well, and I do. When the text gets to it, that's where we go. But right now, let's think about that. Some of you know exactly what happened with Matthew. Jesus has said to you, come follow. You know, there's other stories of rich, wealthy people in the Bible when Jesus says it. says they didn't because they had a lot of things and they loved the things of this world and so a lot of you i know you 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 want to in fact some of you are like i wonder how long i can stretch my arm can i like get in here and keep a hold of this thing here this is another lesson i could really dig in here but i'm gonna tell you right now Luke is planning this thought. We're seeing it delivered here, but he's going to get, in fact, I'm going to give you a sneak peek as what, to what's coming up. Let's jump ahead to Luke 9 for just a moment. It's going to become, and so I'm, this is why I'm not delving all into this because Luke is going to delve all into this. Jesus is going to delve all into this coming up. The same Jesus, that leper, paralyzed person, social outcast, come on. That same Jesus says this. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. There, I'm telling you right now, there's something about following Christ that feels like losing your life. But you're getting life, and you know that. And you go, eternal life in Christ but you know that some of this means letting go. There's a life you could have apart from Christ. And I can sit up here all day and tell you how it's junk and it's trash and it's not worth it. I can tell you that all I want. But I'm also going to tell you it feels great sometimes. Now you guys know. You know, you know what my life out there looks like, right? I've, I've talked about it a lot. For those that are new, I'm going to describe to you the life that I, that, that's out there. In fact, my life that's out there, every once in a while it calls to me. It sings me a little song. It's called Margaritaville. And Jimmy Buffett is out there saying, Matt, there's a beach and a margarita and flip-flops waiting for you. It's a, that's an easy life. To just go, responsibilities, studying for sermons. Sorry, guys. I know this is probably horrifying to some of you. Like, our pastor wasn't love doing this all the time. I'm telling you, it's calling to me. I've seen that beach. We've gone there on vacations. And when my feet hit the sand, I'm like, I could be here. I could live here. No shaving. Hey, I know. But no, no, it would be gone entirely. I would not, never, a razor wouldn't touch my head for the rest. I'd be like Samson, man. I just, you would find me in a Hawaiian shirt with my shirt open and my belly hanging out. And I, you'd think, oh, my wife just said, okay, now move on. <laughs> you don't like that picture? Okay. And so, but we know, right? We know, we know, I know, I know. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't, I will argue with you until we're both dead. But I'm telling you right now, I know for me to go that route means for me not. There are parts of that life 
that Christ says, that is not how someone who is following after me ought to live. I'm not, and the purpose of today is not to get into the details of why. If you go, I don't understand why. I will tell you. I will sit down with you. We'll have coffee. I'll explain to you why. For me to go Jimmy Buffett life would be a rejection of Christ. If you need that explanation, I will give it to you. Okay? But let's, because that's not my focus today, let's just leave that there. Do you, do you believe me for just a moment? Let's, let's base this, and I'm telling you right now, you know it too. There's things in your life, and one of the problems that many people face is they know for me to, for me to really go all in here means letting go of this. But here we have a story of a guy, and we're going to get it, obviously. Jesus is going to bring it down, because there's going to be some people that are trying to do this number in his following. Right? I'm in, I'm not. I'm in, I'm not. In fact, there's some times where he even goes a step further, and there's times like, one of my favorite ones is there's a group of uh, biblical lawyers that know the law. And he, he say, he's saying some things, and they go, you know when you say, they actually say this to Jesus. You know when you say these things, it insults us. And he goes, yes, I know. And then he goes on, he says something else. And you lawyers, you know what you do. And he goes, boom. <laughs> there's times where Jesus says, he's teaching them. There's one time in particular, he's teaching them on marriage. What marriage in God's economy ought to look like. And the, the people are like, they're, they're listening to it, listening to it. And the disciples come up to him afterwards and go, Jesus, this is a really hard teaching. What you just said, what marriage should be, is difficult. Like, who can do that? And Jesus doesn't look at him and go, man, don't worry, I'm going to help. No, he actually looks at him and goes, it's not for everybody. And that's the question. If Jesus says, come follow me. Are you going to be like Matthew and leave everything and come follow him? That is ultimately what the call is for all. Follow me. And what the leaving all looks like is different for many of us. But for each of us, I think it feels big or can. I think one of the elements that makes it easy is when you recognize the greatness of Christ and you go he's worth it there's nothing over there and he'll talk about those things too there's nothing that you'll leave he says that you won't be repaid a hundredfold here but Luke is unfolding this the seeds are being planted but there's something else that happens in the story that I don't want to miss so let's head to the rest of this thing because levi does something this matthew does something that i think many of us will understand but it's going to also lead to a dilemma and it may not may not be the one that you think that it is levi has just been invited by the master come on follow me and he goes all right i'm all in and as anybody who does that understands one of the first things that you did when you became a follower of jesus christ is you remembered all those other people that you were hanging out with and you went i wish they would too don't you do that and so levi does something that we do i think he, levi sat back and after this following we don't know how much time passes between this come and follow to what's getting ready to happen next we don't know how much time it is it might seem like it happened immediately i don't think it did I think it could have been a few days. Levi, I think, goes, uh, honestly, I think he's thinking, without using the word, he's thinking ministry. And I think he's thinking all of us, I mean, think about who were the only friends he, he, friends he probably had? 
The other tax collectors, probably. He was a social outcast, but he had these people. And so when he says, oh, okay, I'm going to follow, I think one of the leaving of everything is maybe a tidbit of that. By the way, I like his ministry choice. It centers on food. What does Levi do? Now, I know he left everything. I think there's no way he's going back to being a tax collector at this point. I think that job's out. He was probably, and we're going to see this in the next verse, he was probably very wealthy. In fact, think about this. He said he left everything, but listen to what he does next. Levi made him, speaking about Jesus, a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of who? Who does it say? Tax collectors. Do you get what Levi's doing here? This is what Levi just said. This is what we're reading about. Levi came, followed Jesus, and he goes, this is awesome. And he went back to all his tax collector friends, and he goes, he goes, come on, let's go eat. And I'm bringing Jesus. <laughs> right? I'm, let's, let's have a big party. Let's have a big feast. I'm bringing Jesus. I don't know what you guys are bringing. You bring the lamb. You bring the bitter herbs or whatever. You, know, you bring those things. I'm bringing Jesus. Levi wants these people to meet him, and he's going, I want this, Jesus, I want these things to connect now. I want you guys to get to know him too. He wants his friends to get to know Jesus. And I know that some of you as well know that feeling deeply. When you became a Christian, you, there's other people that you know, and you just wanted them so bad. You're just going to meet Jesus. And you've done different versions of this, haven't you? But now, let's focus in on what I think might be the big issue I want to focus in on today. The Pharisees and the scribes, it says next, the religious elite, they start grumbling. I'll put the verse up there in just a second. But I think it's a very real issue that we face today. What comes up here is an issue that we've faced, we understand today, maybe more than you realize. The Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners. Why are you doing that, Jesus? Actually, they don't say it to Jesus. Who do they say it to? The disciples, right? Those are the disciples. I, I don't think that this happened while they were eating. I think this was afterwards. Okay? But regardless, they go to the disciples and say, what are you guys doing that for? And I'm going to tell you right now, they're not entirely off in their thinking. They're not entirely off. All through the Old Testament, the Jewish people were called to be separate. In fact, did you guys know that the word holy actually just means separate? The Jewish people were called over and over again to be a holy, separate people. They're not, so these spirits, they're not... I almost said a... A way of saying that. They're, they're not just coming up with this. They're not speaking off the cup, right? There, there's something to substance to this. They are called to separate themselves and to be holy. And many times that separating is to separate themselves from actual people. And so all throughout Jewish history, they're called be, to separate from these people, separate from these people. Near the end of the Old Testament, in fact, it goes all the way to the end. Near the end of the Old Testament, we have... Uh, passages like this in Isaiah, Isaiah 52, 11, which says, depart, depart, go out from there. Speaking about leaving out of Babylon, the evil city Babylon. Get away from there, go back to Mount Zion, and you have this idea, touch no unclean thing, get out from their midst, 
All right, get out from the midst of her, speaking about Babylon. Purify yourselves, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. Be holy, separate people. Unless you think this was just for them, consider the time that in the New Testament, this verse is quoted. 2 Corinthians 6, starting at verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial, Satan, his minions? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has a temple of God with idols? We, we are the temple of the living God, as God said. And here's the quote from Isaiah. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst. This is what the, Paul's alluding back to. Come out from among them. Be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. And yet, here is Jesus doing this. Eating with them. To eat with someone in these days. In fact, the fact that it was said to eat and drink. He was eating and drinking with these tax collectors and sinners. The fact that he's doing this was to, to eat with them was to align yourself with them and agree with them. There's some measure of like, I'm, this is not um, stopping for uh, a bite to eat at the local Capernaum's. That was sad, wasn't it? That's not what it was. This is a feast at the house. I think the answer is in the next verse. But I want to ask you if you've noticed this dilemma. Now, before I bring up this dilemma, let me go to a blank slide here. <laughs> We're almost there, guys. I'm pulling all these loose ends together. Some people, and I think rightly so, have talked about this passage. And in the way that we love the things we were talking about earlier, the island of misfit toys, we're all idiots, and we look at this, and we go, yeah, right? And we're like, as we just bring them all in, and we try to make those connections. Like, we're all about that. Okay, I, I get that. But as good biblical thinking people, we need to ask this other question. What about these other passages? What is that about? See, I don't think the, the dilemma for us, see, see there, there's been churches before, not this one. There's been churches before. Now, see, I could have gone this route. I could have presented this lesson. There's been churches before that, that in fact, I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. I, I remember one, uh, I had been, uh, we were working at the Target Distribution Center up in Wisconsin, Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Me and this other guy's name was Dave. We're witnessing to the, our coworkers, and we're telling them about Jesus. And we had this one particular, like, you worked in these teams of four. And this one lady that was on our team you know, when we had opportunities and stuff, we'd go tell them about Jesus. And, and she finally one day decided, and we didn't even know this till later, she decided, you know what, I've been listening to these guys at work talking about Jesus, talking about getting to know him and everything else. And so she decided to go to church. Never been to church in her life. She goes to this church. She walks in. Some ladies meet her at the door and say, I'm sorry, ma'am. Do you, do you have a dress you could put on? Now, see, you guys know you're like, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Right, okay, I get, I get it, right? We're, we're, we're not that church, okay? But look at, yeah, Honestly, I think anybody in Danville or its surrounding community that was even in walking distance, if they decided to walk in these doors 
you guys would be like, oh, who are you? <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, I mean, they, they could look like anything. And you guys would be like, come on in. Like, okay, we, I think we're, we're, we're doing good. And, and some people, they've preached on this, and that's what they focus on. But see, there's something else that's happening here that's still for us. Let's think about that dilemma. Some of you have faced this dilemma, not just in church, but in, in more like what Jesus was facing in that you're out there in the world. How about, how about this one? Here's one I've experienced. I'm sitting in my dean's office. Um, kids come in many times because they're in trouble. In fact, I usually hope that's why they're in there. When they come in to chit-chat, I'm like, don't you have some place to be, like school? Um, but when, when they come in, right, a lot of times they're in trouble. And, I, and you start, sometimes you, I, I like to be a good dean that wants to know, what, what happened? You know, what, 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 okay, I saw you this morning walking in. You seemed fine. Then you punch somebody in the face. So what, what happened between that and the punching? Okay, something happened. I hope. Now, I will tell you, sometimes it's just, I don't know. They, my, my name was on their lips, so I punched them in the face. I mean, that's, sometimes that's all it is, right? What you got your name on my, uh, what do you got my name on your lips for? <laughs> you know, I mean, that, honestly, that's all it is in that. But sometimes it's a little bit deeper. Like, well, this, and then they start unfolding. And I, I'll tell you, that's a stretch of my patience because I don't do drama. Okay, and when they start going down the, the drama, I'm like, I'm like get, let's get, okay, get to the, I didn't need the whole backstory, just enough to what happened here, okay, what happened to this. And I found myself in the process of doing this, you end up doing something that would almost resemble some version of counseling. Well, okay, and, you know, okay, your boyfriend did the, we had one, in fact, we had one last, uh, Friday, um, this girl had texted from a different number, her boyfriend but to, to her phone and showed her boyfriend like so he would get jealous i don't know if he wasn't paying enough attention to her or something on it and he got mad and he took the brand new phone like from last week a 600 iphone and went what he did and smashed the phone okay so so in addition to everything else we're trying to counsel them through like okay your boyfriend did this and did, what you know okay what what happened and you do something that almost seems like counseling but what, what do I do as a dean when I start counseling and I find out that the, the relationship that's on the rocks that ended up to the fight and the jealousy was a lesbian triangle? What do I do as a dean? Do I go, out for me, you evil ones? <laughs> no, no, I don't do that. What do you do? As a Christian, but as a dean, what do you do? Some of you go, I couldn't do that. That's why you're not a dean. Okay? How do I work through that? Hold on to Christianity and the truth of it. Understand that sexual immorality is a heinous sin, but still talk to them like human beings. How do I do that? Some of you have faced similar things. How about the family member that's homosexual and is going to have a wedding? Some of you have faced it. And you go, what do I do? Do I go? Do I not go? What do, what, what are, you guys see that? That's our dilemma. Our, our dilemma isn't 
well, we're not going to let the person that's not dressed right go into the church or doesn't have this or that. Okay, we've got that part solved, okay? We're doing great with, with loving everybody. But how do you know what to do? What, what, where does this go? I think the answer is found in a little part at the end that you'd almost skip over. Listen to how this little story ends. Jesus knows the Pharisees are grumbling. And he doesn't just say, you evil Pharisees, you should be friends with everybody. Love everybody. That's not what he says. He makes a really good point, though. Listen to what he says. Jesus answered them. Those who are well. Now think about even what's happened that Luke has presented leading up to this. Right? The unclean that needed healing. The, the paralyzed person. The demon-possessed person. Think about all these things. Even up into Matthew. This, this person, Matthew, was not well. Those who are well have no need of a physician. And this is precisely what Jesus is saying. The Pharisees are saying, why would you eat with them? And Jesus' answer is this. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Now, if you were one of those tax collectors and you overheard this conversation, what did you just hear? He thinks we're sick. Is <laughs> something wrong with us. Now, they might know it, just like how most of you knew it when you came here. Right? But Jesus wants these Pharisees to understand, how, how am I able to, who's, who's called to be holy and a representation of all that is holy, have a meal with the tax collectors? How can I do that? And it's found right here. He has a purpose in the get-together. He is on a mission to rescue and save the lost. What he is doing is not flippant, it's not random, it's not I was just hungry and they had food. What is it? There's purpose. Purpose. There's a purposeful hangout. In fact, notice how he wraps it, wraps it up. In case the, the Pharisees are missing the sick well thing, what does he say there at the end? He says, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to what? Repentance. Don't miss that in what Jesus is doing. His meal with those tax collectors. See, I know some people look through this and they thought, well, this was saved tax collectors. I don't think that's what's going on at all. I think these were people who were still lost. And Matthew's like, I want them to get to know you, Jesus. Why don't you have a meal with me? And they're there. And Jesus is there for the purpose of giving a call, like he did to Matthew, a call to repentance. That is your goal with the lost. I think a lot of people have forgotten this. There are many who focus on the first part of this, and they reach out to the lost, and they hang out with the lost, they have friendships with the lost, and they have partnerships with the lost, they date the lost. By the way, that's a terrible way to bring somebody to Christ, okay? Just throwing out that out there. Get married to people who are lost, etc. That's not... Your goal with the lost is to call them to repentance. Let me give you one application for this week. 
engage in purposeful hangouts. Don't let any of your hangouts be casual, especially with the lost. Don't have random business meetings. Don't have teacher meetings. Don't have neighborhood get-togethers. Don't have barbecues unless in your heart at some point this is there. You ought to be thinking like Christ. They're sick people. And the sick people just invited me to dinner. Oh, goody. <laughs> right? I think that needs more words. You make it sound a little bit more pastorly. Engage in purposeful, gospel-focused, good news-focused. You guys know what that means, right? Gospel-focused. What's the good news? The idiots have an incredibly bright future and everybody can get in on this. That's the gospel. That misfit toys get played with. That's the gospel. Gospel focus. Like, like I'm saved by grace alone. And anybody can get in on this. So, so when you go, some, they just invited me to dinner. They don't know Jesus? Man, you're missing out. Now, I'm not getting into the how we do that. I, I will say, don't think it's shove it down their throats. That doesn't work. I, and I don't see this happening in this meal at all. He's just reclining with them. I, I, through the rest of Jesus' ministry, you see him, I, I, I think, in my opinion, and we're going to find this out as we unfold the rest of Luke, I think you're going to find Jesus looking for opportune times. Just the right time, just the right way. And, and that, the, you guys need to be thinking that way, like waiting for the right time to say, you know, wait, wait for those things. I got this new boat, and man, I just love this. Oh, man, that is a great boat. And, and then they go, man, there's all these problems. I know there is problems that come with boat. And you know, frankly, yeah, have you ever noticed that the, nothing that you ever get is fully satisfying? See? See what I did there? I've been so down lately, and, and why? What's going on in your life? See, don't, don't do it yet. See, like, I've been so down lately. You need Jesus. Okay, that, no, I just spit. You, no, no, okay, wait a little, wait a little. What's, maybe ask, what's going on? Well, I'm this thing here and this thing here. And I guarantee if they do not have Jesus, he is the answer. And you got to wait, you're listening, you're listening, you're li real listening. Don't do that stupid fake listening where you're like, I'm just waiting for you to shut up so I can tell you what you're supposed to do. You know, I, I hate to tell you this, but when you do that, we know you're doing that, right? Like nobody's missing what you're doing. You're sitting there listening and you're like, okay, you're just waiting for me to be quiet so you can say what you want to say, aren't you? We see it. Don't do it. They see it too. Listen. What's actually going on in their lives? What's happening? You're going to find there's something they've set up that's not God that they're hoping to find fulfillment in. And they're worshiping it. And they're looking for hope in it. You know what the right answer is. And pray for wisdom. Lord, let me know when. Gospel-focused repentance-seeking Jesus was seeking, I came to call 
sinners to repentance. What do sinners need to do? They need to repent. That's what faith looks like. If you say, I have faith, but you don't repent, you don't have faith. What does faith look like? It looks like repentance. So you're here to call sinners to repentance. You could say, I'm here to call sinners to faith. Same thing. Just looking at it from the other side. How do you bring them to that? If nothing else, pray for the Lord. Give me wisdom. How do I do this? All right. Now I know I've gone long. I'm not done with my notes. But I feel like this is the right time. I had a whole other thing I wanted to talk about. But you know what? We'll save that for another day. I hope that you are ready to go out into the world. Purposeful. In your hangouts. Purposeful. Gospel focused. Hangouts. Nothing is casual. Every single person you meet. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. Every single person you meet. Every single person you meet is either on their way to be a creature more glorious that would almost demand worship or something so heinous it's of nightmares because that's what all of us will be one day. We will either be glorified in Christ's kingdom or spend an eternity in hell apart from God. And every single face you see, every single person you encounter is on their way. Don't let anything be without purpose in how you engage in this world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask now, well, Lord, let me go back. I want to praise you for a church that in so many ways we've embraced the good, just the goodness of the gospel. The, the, the gospel is that good news, and we love the, that good part about it, that, that any are welcome, and that you are calling all. But Lord, don't let us forget that that call sometimes means leaving. In fact, it always means leaving. Help us not to forget that. Lord, help us not to forget that as we engage with others. That it's not enough for their souls to simply be nice to them. At some point, they need you. Help us to be like Matthew, who without any other way of doing it, just says, I'm throwing a party and I'm bringing Jesus. Lord, help us to be like that. Help us to never leave you out of the party. Every party we throw, it's Jesus is there. Lord, in fact, I, I think just now even praying this, Lord, I, I remember that that's exactly, it says, Matthew threw a party for you. You were the, the guest of honor. Let all of our barbecues, let all, all of our birthday parties, all of our get-togethers, all of our hangouts, you are the guest of honor. I pray that you'd help us to live this out so that others might get to know who you are. In Christ's name, amen.